All right, welcome to What Would Leland Do? I'm with my friend, uh, Sir JJ. JJ, say hello, sir. Hey, what's up, everybody? Glad to be on board. How you doing, Leland? I'm doing, I'm doing well. So we're going to do a podcast on a segment of a Jordan Peterson lecture. Uh, was three minutes. I've done uh, a segment on a Jordan Peterson lecture before. So, um, what, so, so the basis of the lecture is that we are not really in control of our interests. Um, and so that, that's kind of a broad, like, you know, a, a good umbrella to work under. What jumped out at you initially, JJ? Uh, well, after listening to it, um, I kind of found it interesting where it says, you know, you are not the master of your house, right? Because I've lived my whole life with being, you are the director of your own life. <laughs> yeah. So it kind of contradicts what it is that I'm used to, um, especially when it says there are spirits that dwell within you, which I do get because... Uh, if there wouldn't be struggle if we were necessarily the director of our life and as a director and as an entertainer, uh, we are used to having our hands on every single detail when it comes to a set or a job or, or an event, you know, of any sort. And we're able to control pretty much everything. And we deal with things that come up. Now, when I pay attention to what it said, you know, there are spirits that dwell within you. When I am directing my own life and I can no longer, and something happens to me that kind of sideswipes me or life throws a curveball, and I don't know necessarily how to direct my emotion or my focus, then it kind of rings true, you know, that you aren't really the master of your house. So it's a very contradicting uh, idea. Yeah, well, so even a more tangible example, like say that we're sitting at, you know, a business event and, uh, and we're all hungry and we're just hanging out in a circle, four or five of us and people walk by with a plate of wings, but we're all having a good conversation. But like, for some reason, the smell, the look, we all stop and look, you know, a beautiful woman can do the same thing. Right. And so the sub personality that wants to eat those wings or the sub personality that wants to look at, check out the beautiful woman who's walking by climbs to the top of, of the leadership hierarchy so to speak of all the subpersonalities this is sort of how i think of it but so there's all these subpersonalities that are fighting and at any moment like one can sort of grab control and a, a very disciplined person can sort of regulate you know who's in charge <laughs> obviously but it's very real if you're if you're hungry and you're talking to somebody and somebody walks by with a a, a plate of bacon right uh a different subpersonality takes control if even for just a moment you're like man that bacon would be really good what were they saying right and but that's going on all the time and so you know what dictates our interests is is interesting because like you said we all think that we're in control and it's like <laughs> but i also think I, just, I, I also think that in in that analogy of you know if you're hungry and you're caught up into a conversation you see somebody walking by um i also think that it, it it there's a lot of variables uh much like life that you have to take into account a who the person is and how much um self-control they have b what the conversation that is taking place if they are attentive or if it is of enough interest to be able to uh deflect anything that might be um distracting 
or uh, the other thing that another factor that you would take into account is if the person, like you said, is disciplined enough, like for me, if I know, if, if I consciously know I'm hungry and in order for me to suppress my hunger, I know I have to mentally tell myself that I have to focus on something else so that that hunger doesn't beat, you know, that doesn't come back and overpower my thoughts. So if I am engaged in conversation and I know these things, depending on what type of director you are or what type of master of your own house is, I think that that would also play an effect on how you're going to let something overpower you or not, you know? So that may, you may be able to, in a sense, control the spirits that dwell within you or not. I think those factors take into play. Yeah, well, so I, so I think that that's the idea, that you want to be able to control the spirits that dwell within you. and that. Um, but I also think that until you appreciate the powers that you're also dealing with, um, one of the analogies that they use, so like they say that humans are the playthings of the gods. Mm-hmm. What they mean by that, you know, the Greeks would, would say the gods are everlasting, they're eternal, they, you know, they're here before us, after us, they'll be here forever. But what they meant by that was, you know, the God of lust, everybody knows what it feels like to have lust uh, control you. And if the God of lust takes over you, like we're the playthings of the gods, like, oh, I, I went and <laughs> I don't want to use that analogy. Let me think of a different one. Um, everybody knows what it's like to feel lust when you're attracted to somebody, right? The God of war or the God of rage mm-hmm. can take control of you can take control of an entire civilization or a city or a, uh, a movement, right? Different subpersonalities. But I think that the idea, and I don't remember where I, this might be Jordan Peterson in a different lecture, but he says the logos, which he defines as the thing that, that pays attention and learns. So if you imagine that as a subpersonality, the logos, that that should be the king. So that should be at the top of the hierarchy, the top. And this is, Everybody always talks about the Illuminati, but the I at the top of the pyramid is actually symbolizing the logos, which is the, the part of the personality of all of the subpersonalities that pays attention and learns. And, and paying attention is different than learning. Or, excuse me, paying attention is different than thinking. Mm-hmm. Thinking is sort of just thoughts are coming in and you're, you know, but paying attention is like really watching something and really trying to dig out and that the subpersonality that should win out is the logos, the thing that pays attention and learns. And so if Bacon walks by and Tony Robbins is doing an intervention with somebody, like the logos would dominate Tony, right? So he's paying attention to the person and he's learning from them. And uh, the God of hunger, I don't know the (laughs) the God of hunger by name, but for example, the God of hunger wouldn't be able to win that moment right? That subpersonality is subordinate, so to speak, to the king. But that's only because he's developed the king as the logos, you know, that's the discipline. That's sort of the idea. That's why um, I think that's why Jordan Peterson would say that you want the logos to be at the top of the hierarchy, but Mm -hmm. other things can be at the top of the hierarchy. There are people who are addicted to sex and drugs and, and that's just the God of lust. Uh, owning the hierarchy. So that whole lens that you see the world through is a lens of lust and, Oh, look at that girl. Look at, you know, it, it any subpersonality or God could like sort of possess you depending on how you 
Um, but yeah, so, but you're not the master of your home. And I think that the, the initial part is more appreciating that there are a lot of subpersonalities that are all fighting and that, uh, you know, that's sort of the starting ground. And then you see need to organize them uh, according to how you would like them to be organized. I also think that one of the things that they did say was that, you know, recognizing what grips you as well as, you know, like you've been using the reference as the God of lust, the God of war, the God of hunger or whatever, you know, what do you call it if it isn't God is what they said, you know? Um, you know, I would agree when, when they had spoke about, you know, it doesn't matter what it's called so long as you listen. And I think that like you had made a reference to Tony Robbins, you know, he speaks on a lot of like the reticular activating system in your brain to where it brings the, you know, your subconscious into a conscious awareness, you know, if you pay attention, if you're there and attentive to the information that is being presented to yourself, because if it is, if, if you, the master of your house, you know, know and can recognize right off the bat that there are spirits that dwell within you that might, you know, um, uh, steer you by impulses or dreams or other things that compel you. If you acknowledge all of what is taking place and all of what we're talking about and what the podcast discussed, you know, at that point, you can actually use something like your articular activity system and hone in on what it is that actually matters to you fortifying your the master of your own home you know so that you can now deflect all the stuff that is what you know we would call the white noise yeah well so uh before we turn this podcast on you and i were talking about one of my favorite people josh waitskin who in the in the uh searching for bobby fisher so he writes the, the book called the art of learning and so um being the master of your own domain is 100 percent internal and so you are the only one that can know if you're the master of your domain. And I think that people uh, often inject other people's values. I would say the majority of people, the majority of their lives are injecting other people's values in, in what they think they should be doing day to day. Mm -hmm. That they think they should be working a nine to five or they think that they should be growing their business or that they think and really if you pay attention to learn what i always say what moves your blood like i really like that analogy because there are things that um relating you know sort of to there are things that happen in your experience that light you up um and paying attention to those things and being able to let the other things go uh because the other things that might there's something about the thing that moves your blood that you should pay attention to, mm -hmm. right? And if something's not moving your blood and you're doing it, it's likely, in, in my opinion, that that might be an injected value. So, or, or a, a lie or a story that people are telling themselves that, well, I will do the thing that I love after I have X amount of money in the bank and after I have done this. and to be the master of your domain, not everybody wants to be a billionaire, mm -hmm. right? Some people wanna go fishing in Montana every day and they do not give a shit about their bank account. Uh, but, but being able to step back and sort of understand, pay attention and learn to what the things you actually enjoy and why you enjoy them. And am I enjoying them because 
these other people are saying that they're cool and I'm getting noticed for them. Like, is that what I really want? Or am I doing this because it's deep and fulfilling? And would I be doing it if nobody knew that I was doing it? I also think that that's a, a product. I mean, and I hate using this term, but I mean, there is some truth to it that it's a product of your environment, you know, yeah. and there's in today's world, I mean, in today's world and any world from past to present, we have been instilled with so many limiting beliefs that are other people's beliefs that have been driven and, you know, just burned into our psyche of how we should live on a day to day basis. And it's not just, you know, like even the term, you know, something, you know, like being aware of abundance. You know, that's not, even though that word is commonly known, it's not a word that's commonly practiced because we are brought up to believe that there isn't enough. Well, so even to dig in a little bit further, I'm trying to learn this lesson right now, just so you know. It's a, it's a Bruce Lee lesson. But like you say abundance, right? And I say abundance. And you and I separately need to learn what that means to us, mm -hmm. right? What is that feeling like? It's like, oh, I feel abundant. It's like, do you feel abundant? Like, do you know that that's what abundance feels like? And are we talking about the same thing? So um, I think one of the things I, I'm just very guilty of, this is me personally, uh, pursuing things that, 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 are, that are really good. Everyone looks at them and they're good. But like, I'm just not interested in them, you know? Um, and, you know, being able to... So Josh Waitskin was a chess player, right? And he would go and study chess by himself in the room and just, and like, that's what he loved to do. And he would just be obsessed with it. And he, uh, so this is the term actually that, that I think ties this together, I hope, but um, we'll see. So uh, you, you want to be doing something that, that it looks, it, it feels like play to you, but it looks like work to other people. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that if you follow your interests as, as this podcast sort of outlines that you can't determine what you're interested in, like stop fighting that battle. Right. And I'm not, this isn't, I'm not preaching to you. I'm saying like, you know, yeah, like everyone always, it's like, no, I should be interested in, I should be interested in accounting because if I, if I go to college and be an accountant, then I can, then I can do all these other things that are interesting for other people. Like, mm -hmm the whole thing is just fabricated on other people's values and you need to be willing to sort of ruthlessly, like, what do I care about? And you know, what was the, there's a good line. Uh, there's a great line. Um, I love you. I do not give a shit what you think. Mm -hmm. Right. Like that's the attitude that you should have towards people is like, I love you and I don't give a shit about your opinion. Like, this is what I'm into. This is what I like. Um, Anyway, so, but like your impulses, your dreams, your interests, like that, the idea was that you should pursue them uh, and, and you can't really control the things that you're interested in. Like you have your skill stack, uh, like dancing, choreography, and you're not interested in archery. Mm. And no matter how actually, much... Out of all the things that you could have actually said, archery was one thing that I am. <laughs> all right, so... Right. You're not interested in thing that you're not interested in, and women's shoe. Actually, women. I love women's shoes. Damn you! <laughs> I love women. Anything, but you know, so th there are things that you are you are drawn to, 
that you have no control over and you can't make yourself drawn to it. This is what was funny about when we were at Wealth Mastery together is that everybody knows they should be investing long-term. Nobody's fucking interested in it, so they don't do it. And, and that's just one of those things that you have to like, it's like, yes, of course that's the case because, because you can't make yourself interested in something, you know, it's like, it's a very deep lesson. You have to be able to discipline yourself to do things, but I think you really should lift your legs up and let the river take you with your interests and pursue them, you know, ruthlessly, but like learn skills, obviously, because, you know, as you, like you're a skilled dancer, you've been a professional dancer, you've been a professional choreographer, you've done all these things that are high level. You're not just dancing in your room, you know, like, and even like, you know, you're not just dancing in the room like an idiot. Uh, you're, you're, you're pursuing the things that are interesting to you and building a skill set around it. Um, and yeah, I, I think that that's like a good example of what you should do. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do it more because I have a tendency to do these things called mule behaviors. I don't know if you've ever told this, but like, I like helping people with a lot of things. So I end up promising things that like, it's like, I just like making people you know, happy. So it's like, yeah, I'll do this for you. It's like, really, I have no interest in doing it for you, but I really like making people feel good. You know, my impulse is that, uh, so, but I'm learning to, 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 to direct my, uh, to control the things that I'm interested in to only the things that I'm interested in, right? Because anytime that I go out of things that I've been interested in, I sort of get my hand bit. That's sort of a long way of saying it, that the, the more I stretch outside of the things that, I, that feel like play to me, but look like work to other people, um, the more the world seems to like bite. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I, I think to tie in a couple of the different things that you were just touching base on is, well, one, uh, within the society that we're in, I, I believe, like going back to the whole abundance thing, you know, abundance, it is different for everybody's journey. You know, uh, what's abundant to me won't be abundant to you or X, Y, Z to people around us. Um, and I actually, I have a, a reference that are a lesson that I just learned recently within that, which I'll get into in a second. But, um, uh, you know, with what, what are the things that, um, that compel you and where does that come from? I had, if we lived, I honestly believe if we lived in a world to where, like, let's say the, the whole gaming world, you know, which I'm still baffled that people make as much money on playing video games. And then there's people that are making a heck of a lot of money just by having a video, watching you play a video game, you know, which I don't knock it to anybody, but Jesus, like, I mean, come on, you think like, five, 10, 15 years ago, somebody were to say that you can actually make hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, you know, just by posting up a camera and having it watch you play oh, a video game, you know, or poker, whatever, or, you know, whatever the case may be, it'd be something ludicrous, you know. But if we did live in a life to where, you know, we would go through schooling system or whatnot, you know, as opposed to had being going, or as opposed to it being a set curriculum of what is already listed of items that people can survive on as opposed to going in and saying, what do you like? What you said, what moves your blood? You know, what, you know, what gets you fired up and let's figure out how to make that into, you know, into a living. You know, we, 
then I think more people would understand what abundance is. It'd still be different from person to person, but you would have a better understanding of what abundance is. You get to do what you want, where you want, how you want, with whom you want, you know, at any given time. But the lesson that I wanted to touch base on that I just recently experienced was the other day, you know, being somebody that comes from my, from my world and being an entertainer and an artist, you know, quite humbling to go back into a nine to five civilian job, you know, uh, serving t uh, cocktails, you know, at a casino. And the other day I was at work and this goes into, you know, um, what compels me and my impulses and, and, and my, my, um, what is it? The spirits that dwell within me. So I'm at work, you know, and I'm hating my life because I am legitimately in an environment that I don't want to be in. And, you know, I used to be in this environment where I was smoking and drinking and sitting at a blackjack table and throwing hundreds of thousands of dollars away, losing and winning, losing and winning and being in this, you know, this hamster wheel of this place where I no longer wanted to be in. But because my level and my, con my conscious awareness knows that I want to grow and be in a different place, I no longer want to be there. Now that I have to work, you know, as far as being a server... I, I look around and I see, you know, we walk around the floors and we serve, say the exact same things and we serve people alcohol and drinks and they're all either focused on their machine or focused on their table. And I don't know if it's because I recollect seeing myself and it puts me in a bad state of remembering where I don't want to be, you know, or where I came from. And then I also look at them and I catch myself consistently and saying, Jesus, look at these damn drones. Like, look at their lives, you know, I, and, and I am passing judgment. And I noticed this, this is my lesson. I, I was passing judgment on these people, but because I'm looking at them, I have no idea who they are, where they come from, what their financial situation is or whatever. But what I do see is them just not focusing anybody. And when you try to go up to somebody and serve them, not only an alcoholic beverage, but a free one at that, and you come up with courtesy and respect, you know, and address them in a, in a, in a polite manner, and they don't even acknowledge you. Like you see, like almost kind of people being sucked into this, what would be considered the movie, The Matrix, if you mm -hmm. will, like for reference, you know, and I'm running around and I'm doing all these rounds and I'm in, in the bar area and I'm just going, this cannot be my life. I don't want to be around this. And one of the other waiters or one of the cocktail servers, you know, asked me what was wrong. I expressed to him that I just can't be around this because it's not, it is not fulfilling for me anymore. You know, and he said something that actually kind of rung true to me. And he said, you know, this might not be your ideal situation, but maybe this is the lesson in you being here is trying to figure it out, trying to figure out and find out how you can find the joy in anything and everything and under any circumstance, you know? And I said, how the hell do you actually find any kind of joy in sending somebody or going to serve somebody, getting barked orders, getting, you know, derogatory comments because you're not serving them quick enough or you make a mistake of any sort, how do you find joy in that? He's like, that's the point. Find, find the joy in it, you know? And on my next round that I went out into the casino floor, you know, I made it a point to, I mean, it was like Speedy Gonzalez. I took their order. I came back. I got the drink and I went back. And instantly, not only did I surprise the person, I actually like jarred them from being in this zone of just staring at this machine, hoping to God that they were going to get a big hit. I not only jarred them and being like, wow, you got here so fast, but then they acknowledged, wow, 
dang, that was fast. You are good. And instantly, I don't know if it was the recognition or the level of significance that I took from that, but they tipped me higher. And by tip me higher, I, I'm telling you like $2 versus one. <laughs> um, hey, that makes but, a big difference if you're serving 100 drinks a night. But it, made it, but it made a difference. But however, their um, recognition and their acknowledgement made me go back to the bar and go find somebody else. And I started for the rest of the day seeing if I could beat my own time. You know, and if I could actually, I would start making it a point to play almost a game, if you will, with these people that I was taking orders from. And then I said, I'll be back in two minutes, you know, or I'll be back in three minutes, depending on how far the person was in comparison to the bar that I was serving from, you know, and if they responded, oh yeah, just, just try to make it in your time. I said, no, I'll, I would, I would respond. I bet you I can make it back in three minutes. And somehow in a really half-assed backward way, I found the joy in doing what I was looking around hating. And at the end of that hour, I literally, what normally you would make, probably if you hustle, I don't know, give or take $80 in tips because of the volume that was in that casino that day, that particular hour, I made $160 in tips for one hour. You know, that was double, right? Just because I had found whatever joy it was, and not that it was, you know, oh my God, I want to do this for the rest of my life, but I took what he had said into account and said, okay, let me be the master of my house. Let me not <laughs> dwell on these spirits that are giving me this impulse of hating where I'm at. You know, I'm going to listen to whatever divine power or... Well, it's the logos, right? It, the thing that pays attention and learns, right? The guy says something to you, you pay attention to it and you learn. Like that's, that's why that should be at the top of the hierarchy. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and that was, that was my lesson learned for that day. You know, I mean, granted, I, it, it, I mean, would I do that absolutely every single day? I think it would help me get through the days a lot easier and a lot quicker, you know? Um, but now it's something that I'm more consciously aware of on how to take control of that. And that's, you know, the example that I would say that would tie into what is abundance for me at one particular hour, what made it abundant and, and satisfying to me was the people's reaction. And in return was the dollar value that I got, you know, from that one hour. Yeah. Well, and also like, you know, gamifying anything makes it more fun uh, for sure. Cause it's more fun to play a game than it is to, to work, work to work a job you don't like. Right. But that's uh, what that's, I guess, I guess that's what, where the, the cliche saying goes, you know, uh, find something, you know, that you enjoy and that you love and that you can, you know, play in all day and you'll never work a day in your life. Yeah. Well, and you could even play up with like, these guys are in Vegas. I really want to show them a good time. Uh, when they order their drink, I like, I want to make them shit their pants when I, you know, when they blink and I'm here. Yeah. Because yeah. that's funny or that's entertaining or whatever it is, you know, that in, is of interest of you. Um, that's good. So, one of the things that they talked about is that, uh, you know, impulses and interests are things that you can't control. So interest grips you. And he said, you know, they said, is that divine? Well, it's divine as far as you're concerned because it grips you and there's nothing you can do about it. Uh, when you look back at your life, what are some of the things that have gripped you that, uh, 
there's nothing anybody could do about it. Having somebody that you love leave you. Grips you, can you elaborate? Okay, well, the feeling of loss and the feeling of pain grips me or gripped me in a sense that it put me in a, a downward spiral when there was nothing that I could do about it because at that point, those spirits that dwelled within me overpowered what I thought was the, you know, master of my own house, you know? And so I, f I feel that, you know, with this analogy or this, you know, this reference, um, if you can't really, and this is a lesson that I'm actually learning now, just, you know, from yesterday to today as well. Uh, and I continues, continuously keep learning throughout different uh, situations and circumstances, but it's, um, it really is a matter of quickly acknowledging what you don't have control over. And when you actually stop to say, wow, I don't have control over this, but I do have control over acknowledging that I don't have control over it. And if you apply, if you uh, emphasize that if there's nothing you can do about it and you have no control about it, don't worry. I think that that would alleviate all the spirits that would, you know, direct you in a different way and all those impulses that might steer you in a different direction, you know? Um, and I think that those are key components to get you to continuously be the master of your own house so that, you know, like he said in the podcast, if you really psychoanalyze yourself and you think that you are not the master, I find it within the teachings that I've been learning with Tony Robbins and, you know, like with Jim Rohn and everything, if you do focus on whatever that outcome is and whatever it is that you do want, you will inadvertently release these terms, you know, and this verbiage like you are not, you can't, you know, and all these negative connotations that hold you down, that grip you, you know, and that keep you from, I guess, your own divine power. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, I hadn't even thought about love as an example, but like love is probably, love and fear, I guess, would probably the be the most profound examples that, you know, if a woman enters your life and, and leaves your life, like, yeah, you know, a lot of times that will grip you in a way that's overwhelming. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a good example. Um, and if, when you meet her or you meet a new girl, right, it's, Hey, I would love to think about this work thing or the, but I'm infatuated or I, you know, I can't interest grips you, right. It's, it's, uh, it's divine. Right. Um, yeah. So what about from a professional standpoint? Uh, what type of, cause I know you've, I know you've, you have a, you've, I don't even want to say dancing, performing. I don't even know what you describe it, but they're all different sort of, uh, skills. So like yeah, what, as you were training growing up, what gripped you? aspects of the entertainment business? Yeah. Well, yeah. What do you like about the, what grips you about the entertainment business? Cause I'm not a performer at all. So spotlights make me shy. So for me, uh, personally, when I started into it, it was because I was always, I mean, 
as far as if I really think about it, I remember just um, starting to watch black and white films. Charlie Chaplin was a huge, huge mentor and uh, uh, driving force of being able to comedically, dramatically, you know, and uh, 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 successfully deliver emotions without saying a single word through action and movement and physiology and expression, uh, you know, the expression of the body, I found so interesting, um, especially when I, when I grew up being an outcast and having identity issues, having grown up with, you know, in a household of majority all women, you know, and not being your stereotypical macho testosterone filled male that everybody, you know, is accustomed to. Like, I mean, I grew up playing with dolls, you know, imagine growing up playing with dolls and being with all girls as you're growing up as a, as a little kid and playing with makeup and hair and putting on dresses with your sister and their friends and this and that, and still, you know, trying to live in a world that is so divided as far as sexuality and what that entails. And I'm not talking about who you prefer, but I'm talking about what the image is of what a guy is supposed to be and what a girl is supposed to be, mm-hmm. you know? And within performance, I could be anything and everything and nobody cared because all it was was entertainment, you know, and what, what compelled me to it and what gripped me from it was that in essence, I could hide behind a mask that it wasn't out of fear, but it was driven out of enjoyment by giving and providing pleasure to so many, you know, Knowing what I know now, I knew that I would have loved to find out how to do it in a different way because I took it to an extreme to where I not only lost myself for myself and I never knew when the entertainment aspect of me, the artist, the actor stopped and I began, you know, because I got so used to people putting me in an outcast situation and it wasn't by perception. It was like, I just didn't fit in. You know, I, it wasn't that I didn't try. It wasn't that I didn't go play the sports or if I didn't try to hang out with the right people, I just being me just didn't work. And when I could become somebody else within a role, within dancing, within acting, within whatever character I was playing, you know, there was more, you know, really, uh, uh, relations with other groups of people and I could start finding myself adapting and being welcomed by various groups. And it gave me that, that sense of, uh, acceptance, you know, and significance. Um, so I think that that for me is what gripped me the most about the entertainment business, you know, um, which is now that, uh, I am, struggling with having or being in a position where I am deciding on whether I'm transitioning out of that or in a different realm of the entertainment business and letting go of that persona or that character because now all of a sudden I find myself being me and I'm like back to well shit 
who really is that? And will people even like that? Well, that and even if, now that, I, again, not a psychoanalyst at all, but if you were previously, you know, putting on masks to, I mean, either to escape or to get away, but then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm actually not that bad. I don't need to do that anymore. Um, maybe you don't need to perform or maybe, you know, or maybe you find that you actually love performing because of other reasons. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think now that it's more driven towards like, what, now that I've gotten to a place of acceptance and appreciating, you know, who I am and what I've become and not necessarily, I shouldn't say who I've become, but more or less who I always was and meant to be, but now just understand that to be what it is. I think that now I see performing in a different light to where I actually want to do it, you know, rather than feel like I have to do it because that's what I'm good at. Yeah. Which is a better situation, even if you're doing the same thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, one of the things I've noticed when throughout like the last couple of weeks that you and I've been chatting is that, um, I guess this is more of a question, uh, given your background of dealing with a bunch of shit that, that kids get dealt with, with bullying and not fitting in. Um, I saw the thing that you did with the 12 year old Michael Jackson dancer. Um, and then I saw the video that you posted about, uh, inviting other people to learn to be, you know, to get to Hollywood faster, to accelerate their dancing careers. Um, and then when I hear you talk about this, it seems like that might be an area that you, that you are interested in would be like helping young men that are, that are in the same situation that you were in. Like, I would imagine that that would be really hard for like a dancer performer in high school. Um, trying to figure out, you know what I mean? I feel like that would be really hard. And it's, um, and when I hear you talk about it, it's like, what moves your blood? I, I notice that that does light you up a little bit. Um, and the reason that this podcast is really interesting or the reason that I chose this or for, for you and I to talk was because I thought it would be really good for you to pay attention to the things that really like fire you up. Um, and it's also a good lesson. Like I, like I said, I'm trying to like learn this more because, um, similar to you, like I read a bunch of books and I have all sorts of injected values. It's good to read other people's books, but by definition, you also inject their values into your life. So you need to be really good at at shedding away like the values that look good and look attractive that are just are not your values, but just taking what you can learn from that. Um, but anyway, so does, is that something that you're interested in? Like mentoring people who are going through the same shit that you were? Cause I've noticed that that's, and I could be way off, but does that, does that um, generate energy in your body at all? Of course. I mean, I think anytime that I'm able to help guide anybody that is going to, uh, avoid situations or um, trials and errors that I did. And again, this is this is where I'm struggling with because had I not had I not dealt with these, you know, I wouldn't be who I am. And it's one of those things. It's like, okay, I get the concept, and I respect the concept of you know uh, condensing decades into days, which I now, especially, I mean, even you know, since we've met, I'm able to, because I don't have the time 
to go and study and learn all the things that you know and where you're helping me with all of what we're doing online and social media and YouTube and all that stuff. I don't have in my present day to day the time to go study that to learn it in order to be able to apply to help myself get somewhere. So the fact that there's somebody like you out there that I can learn from, absolutely it helps. Now at the same time on the other side of the spectrum, you know, when I am helping somebody that might deal with what I dealt with. One thing that, you know, what you were saying about this 12 year old kid, his name's Liam, you know, I am able to help him deal with bullies. And I can't, I despise bullies with an absolute passion, you know, because it really, I am grateful for them because they put me where I am now, but I know the haunting pain and damage that it causes for lifetimes, you know, when you're at a certain particular impressionable age, you know, and somebody like Liam, it's like, yes, I can condense my decades and days and my successes and my failures, and I'm able to steer him in a way to where I can help pre prepare him to deal with it. I don't know how that's going to affect him in his future because if for whatever reason he steers away or breaks from anything that I any of the tools that I gave him to prepare for it, am I really preparing him for success or by not, by preventing him from going through it? Or would he be stronger if like myself, having gone through it, you know, and knowing what that's like and knowing what that failure is going to feel like and knowing what that pain and that hurt is going to feel like so that he has that driving force and that fire to push him over the edge to get to his successful place. You know what I mean? So it's one of those things where even now as I mentor kids or young adults or adults, you know, that deal with things like this, you know, I'm learning as I'm teaching because all I can do is help provide tools for mm -hmm. them to arm them, if you will, like a soldier, a soldier will not go out into Iraq or Afghanistan or wherever, you know, you know, with just a slingshot, <laughs> you know what I mean? They're going to go with, you know, grenades and AK-47s and this and that, right? And I'm going to teach them how to use it, you know, but it's like, okay, if they were to go out there and get shot, you know, and know what that pain is like, would they know how to avoid that next bullet? more so than if they hadn't got shot. So it's one of those like balancing things of how do I arm them in a way to where they're going to be prepared for it? And at what level do I allow them to experience that pain so that it kind of strengthens the information and the tools I'm giving them to be able to survive later down in, you know, in their life. Yeah. I mean, I, I totally understand the perspective. It's, I mean, your adversity becomes your advantage because I've walked on coals. I have walked on coals, but like hypothetically, right. And actually, but <laughs> I've gone through processes that are hard and because of that, uh, I'm better off. Right. So, you know, um, you know, Hey, somebody's bar is failing. It's like, do I let them fail? So they suffer through the pain that I went through. And on the, on the, on the other end, they're going to be stronger because they're not going to get bailed out. They're not going to get, 
you know, they're going to have to, they're going to have to learn the process and they're in that situation because they, um, because they made a bunch of mistakes usually, or even if they didn't, you know, sometimes bad shit happens. A lot of times bad shit happens. Right. But if your goal is to help people accelerate their learning curve, um, part of that would be to, I mean, I guess you, you, you're, you hit the nail on the head, give them tools, but the people who are bullying you shouldn't be a significant part of your experience. Your goals and your focus should be on, on doing the things that you love. Like of the pie of influence of your life, the people who are taking you away from the things that you love should be as small as possible. And so, um, but I feel like you, given your expertise and, and experience, um, people who are in that situation, the young kids who are getting bullied or might feel indifferent, it would be easy for them to look up to somebody in your situation where it's like, hey, I've done this. And especially now, I don't know what you look like when you're younger, but now you've got, you know, you're tatted up, you've got earrings, you got your, you look, you look uh, like tough. Right. And so not that that's relevant, but to somebody who's in high school and feels weak mm-hmm. and likes dance, right. And wants to be tough. They, you know, there's probably a gap there and you're like, Hey, I, I'm, I was just like you guys. Yeah. Right. I got tattoos cause I love tattoos or I got tattoos cause, well, um, but providing them like somebody to look up to, like my wife right now is really looking up a bunch of billionaire women. Um, which is awesome. Like apparently, you know, she didn't have a lot of people to look up to and it's like very inspiring to her. And so, um, but not that you would need to do that. I know you and I've talked about you doing a lot of things and that was one of the things that, uh, you know, just things to pay attention to generally for anybody. It's like, what are the things that move your blood and how can you do more of those and do less of the things that, uh, that you have to fire yourself up to do. Right. If you, if you surround your, if you, if you create the right environment, like you should be, you should be fired up to live. Right. Um, yeah. Anyway, so interest, <clears throat> what, were there any other notes that you wanted to hit on related to this podcast? Cause we've been all over the place, but I've enjoyed it thoroughly so far. Um, I think that the, one of the last things before we go that did really kind of ring was it doesn't really matter <clears throat> what you believe um or what you call a sign god divine guided information you know so long as you listen i think that that really is something that people really should pay attention to um and i think that um what i took away from that podcast was so many people myself included until just more or less recently um it's easier to dismiss something as coincidence. It's easier to dismiss uh, a sign as it being irony. Um, It's easier to uh, give an excuse and a reason to something that's unexplainable rather than having hope, faith, you know, and uh, uh, this overwhelming feeling that the unknown and the, that, that something that you're uncertain of has a purpose, you know, um, whether it be, Oh my God, I saw a sign or, you know, wow, I just heard this today and all of a sudden kind of makes sense. Or, you know, we we're we're so quick to dismiss something that isn't 
I don't know if this is a lack of a better description, scientifically proven or socially acceptable, you know, or we just don't understand. Oh, that we, yeah, that you just don't understand. Or there is, there isn't something that says, Hey, you know what? It's okay that this might be a mystical thing, you know, or so just to jump in, I used to go to Barnes and Noble and just wander around and look for books that struck me. Yeah. And two or three of the books, this is on my last podcast, have been the most impactful books of my life. Tim Ferriss's Four Hour Work Week, Joe Dispenza's Evolve Your Brain. And, you know, to what do I say, like, oh, God led me to those books or some mystical experience? It's like, no, I have no idea what led me to those books. I went to go wander around. I found them. I read them. Uh, but I was looking for sort of, I was looking for some, a push or some interest or something to grip me, right? Like, you, you yeah. can trust the things that grip you. And then like a river, like you're in a river, just lift your legs up and let it take you. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll give you, I'll give you a really, uh, really great example of something that happened in my, in my life that I'm going to actually, that's, that's part of one of my books that I'm, that I'm wanting to uh, make into a movie and, and finish writing. Uh, so a couple of years ago when I went through my divorce, you know, it was an abrupt ending where my wife left and never came back. I found out that I was getting divorced by email, uh, when she had left the country and it just kind of devastated me, you know? And so I don't know if you've ever, I'm sure you've probably either heard of the book and, or, or seen the movie Eat, Pray, Love with Julia Roberts, right? Okay. So I did my whole Eat, Pray, Love uh, movie thing where I took off and I went to Bali, right? Because I needed to find some kind of spiritual enlightenment and I was crushed because there was my marriage uh, ended abruptly with no reason or no closure of any sort. And, you know, I'm sure that you've gone through a breakup, you know, or being dumped or whatever. There's nothing worse than having what you thought was going to be the rest of your life finish before your eyes with no idea why Mm -hmm. that's one of the hardest things that I've ever dealt with in my life so long story short I take off to to Bali and I'm with a friend and we're walking on the coast of the beach or the water where we're staying at or whatnot and then we get to this place where it's like this construction site bear like barricade right i mean the obviously the beach is still going along the coast or whatever but there's all these kind of like orange cones and tape and stuff like that you know and we thought that we hit the end of of the walkway and so i was like okay let's turn around back and for whatever reason my friend said no let's just keep walking you know look we can get through here you know we kind of went through the 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 cones and the the road and you know we went and passed by which turned into kind of like a little parky area in front of the water you know and off in the distance you know we uh we found two gentlemen that were doing yoga you know and they had their little mat out and stuff like that we're in bali and you know i was like okay cool and i saw them doing kind of like some kata forms and stuff like that and i was like oh wow this is really cool you know so we kind of approach them you know and when i travel i'm like i don't mind speaking to people it's like when i travel i become somebody else um to where i don't i'm not really that afraid of approaching people and so we approached them struck up a conversation right they were you know we're like oh what are you guys doing and then you know i kind of told them that you know i was i either said my two reasons for traveling at that time was either i was on a spiritually enlightening trip or i was you know trying to search the answers to save my marriage from my wife right to to salvage my marriage with my wife and so 
they uh, they tell us, oh, you know, come and meditate with us and everything like that. And I said, you know what? This is going to sound stupid, but I don't really know how to meditate, you know. Um, but we did see this movie, you know, that I'm really interested in and kind of wanted to, you know, I'm going to ask you a stupid question. And so they were like, I, it, they almost gave me the the inclination that they kind of knew where I was going with this, you know, because I guess it's a really popular thing in Bali now, the Eat, Pray, Love movie. And so I said, uh, and I said, you know, have you guys ever heard of the movie Eat, Pray, Love, you know? And they did, you know, oh, with Julia Roberts, right? And I said, yeah, of course. And so they kind of looked at each other and smirked, you know, and I said, okay, well, I'm going to ask something, and I know this is probably just a character in a movie. I said, but is there such a thing as Katoot the healer, you know? That's in the movie. And he said, yeah, Katoot's just down the street. I was like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, no, really, he's actually down the street. He owns a sanctuary there. He's over a hundred and something years old, you know? And he's actually, he was found here in Bali when the, produ produce, the producers of the production company was doing scouting for the movie, scouting for locations. They found him and they actually put him into the movie. He's a real man. And so I just lit up and it was just like one of those divine guided situations to where I was like, at that point, I was like, damn, if I had not listened to my friend, if we had stopped right where the end of the barricade started or whatever, we hadn't gone through and pushed through, we had never met these guys. And so they gave us the direction or whatever. We hopped on our little scooters and stuff like that. We found a way and sure enough, there it was, Katoot's place, right? And so it was this beautiful, I mean, beautiful like oasis sanctuary meditation sanctuary where they have like all kinds of rooms where you can stay there and people go there for the meditation practice and so we went in took our shoes off paid our money or stuff like that obviously still he's a very big touristy thing you know since the movie he just skyrocketed and sure enough you know they take us to like this little temple area we sit down you know and then he comes out with his now who is his predecessor one of his uh, nephews i want to say because now he's passing over and he's teaching him how to do what he does because you know he's just moving on and he was at that point a couple years ago he was over i don't know maybe i want to say like 104 105 right and so he's being walked by these people to come and see us and sure enough it was katoot from the movie right and he sat down and he speaks he's got no teeth and he speaks very little english and so he's got his nephew i think it was his son or his nephew um that is doing the translation for us you know and he just sits there with no teeth and this big old smile just like the movie and kind of does his little rock back and forth exactly like the movie and he just says these profound one sentence things that you kind of ask a question and it's like answer the question with a question you know Kind of like, well, what do you think of this? Uh, I don't know. What do you think? You know, but somehow his energy, his aura, his reading to where he could just kind of put his hands out like this and scan your body as if though he was some type of x-ray machine and just get all of the energy and within minutes turn you around, find your flaws, your defects, your, your limiting beliefs, you know, and he sits down and he just shares with you. And all of a sudden, I, I'm still, actually, I'm getting chills now as I'm saying it, um, you know, and all of a sudden I remember, I, clear as day, you know, I mean, I was broken, you know, and I stood up as if though everything, I knew everything was going to be okay. And I don't know if it was, at that time, it was, to me, it was coincidence. Okay, I saw a sign, this and that. 
But now with the teachings and everything I've learned and everything that we've actually, you know, discussed, it was like, I recognized it. I recognized that I went to go search for something, whether or not it was real or not. I had faith. I had faith. I had found something and I took whatever meaning I wanted to place upon the information that was given to me. And that was what brought me comfort and a feeling of abundance and love from a broken place that I was, that I had arrived there with, you know what I mean? So yeah, that was just uh, one of my most enlightening uh, situations of, uh, you know, going from a place of gripping, you know, limiting beliefs, you know, and saying at that point in time, I wasn't the master of my own house. You know, at that point, I allowed the information and the high anarchy of my, what you were saying, the term was um, uh, what we put above uh, the personality. Hierarchy. Right. Hierarchy, yeah. 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 The, the logos. The logos, you know. Hierarchy. And, the logos should be at the top of the hierarchy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, at, at, at that point, I was like, I was just open to acceptance, you know. Yeah. And I didn't dismiss it. I didn't dismiss it at it being coincidence, at it being a touristy thing, at it being something out of a movie. I took this person for word value and my surroundings, you know, and at that point, particular second I became part of my environment well and even and so this is like a really big point right because if you look at this whole podcast that we're talking about it's about pursuing your interests and lifting your legs up and just sort of like I want to do this and go and and trusting that if you pursue it good things will happen and that started with the breakup when you went to Bali mm-hmm. right and then you were you know you were on the beach as I said you're on the beach walking and then you saw this, the, like, there were all these things, even as you were describing it, that were like, oh, that interest, like, over there captures me, like, oh, pursue it, go pursue it, go yeah. pursue it. And then, yeah, and then, and then after, you know, you, you go and pursue all these things, and you follow it, and you chase your interest, you chase it, you chase it, and then it leads you to, like, some guru who basically... I mean, reminds you of something that you probably already knew and you just, but you needed all the other things to remind yourself of it. Right. You like sometimes the, what does it say? The, the teacher will arrive right when the student is ready. Yeah. Right. Um, but even like to, to tie back to the whole podcast, it's like, you know, pursue your interest ruthlessly. And you know, if a breakup happens and you have an interest to go to Bali or to go do something, um, whatever they are, so this will we'll wrap up on this point. The last line that he says is that if you ignore it, uh, you will pay a huge price and you will know that it is your fault. Mm-hmm. That if you ignore the interests, the thing that beckons you forward or calls you into, like calls you into being, calls you into action, the thing that is of interest to you, that grips you, if you ignore it, you will pay the price and you will know that it is your fault. And the, and that's always like, because the podcast that we did is really long, but we ended it on that. And I always liked it because that, when I first heard that, it like, it's, it still rings in my head, right? Every time I, I have something I'm like, oh, I should go like watch a YouTube video on that. And I, if I hesitate, like, that's my thought. It's like, no, you're interested in that. You could feel it literally in your whole body, your whole attention, like it moved you. And now you're not going to go do anything on it. And if you ignore it, 
like you will pay. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I agree. And I think, I think with this, with, with the story that I just shared with you, it was one of those things that, you know, um, I think that there's always in life and anybody that may listen to the podcast or whatever, um, that there's always going to be roadblocks like there was in that particular situation. And legit, if I could paint the picture, it looked like it was just supposed to just to end. There was no, uh, there was like, you were not supposed to cross that, ba- that boundary, that barrier. So, yeah, the, the obstacle becomes the way. You know, and so, yeah, and, and, and had we not been pulled in, in that and in, in, in motivated to see what was past that, that trip wouldn't have been what it was, you know, and we had to actually go through the place where we weren't supposed to go, you know, to get to where we wanted to be. Yeah. Well, and even like you had to have the girlfriend, the, the girlfriend broke up with you. And now, you know, you're in a situation where even as we're talking, it's like, I could feel you just recalling that memory, like standing up being like, oh, everything's fine. And then it's like, oh, that might be useful now. Like, it's not any, it's the, we're not in control of our domain. Like we're not in control, just, you know, lift your legs up. We're not, it's more fun that way. Pursue your interests um, and know that like, not know that, it's just that like, if you don't, if you, if, you, if you don't pursue your interests and you're not like pursuing things you're curious, I don't know what else people would do with their time. I would agree that we, 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 we're not in control of our domain, but we are in control of the choices that we, that we select to steer ourselves through the domain that we may not have control over. Well, yeah. So, I mean, to refine, I think you and I are in agreement with how we think about this, that you start not being in control of your domain. People yeah. are raised like my, my son's young right now. He's got four or five like sub personalities, probably like 30, right. That are all fighting for control at different times. The idea is to, I mean, I, I use the logos, but you want the one thing that's in control at the top mm-hmm. and all of the other sub personalities are subordinate. Yeah. And, and that, and that's one of those things. It's funny. You have to hold it there right at the top because if you're well-fed, it's easy, but if you get hungry, your blood sugar gets a little low, you know, it might be easy to snap on people and to like not be the person that's paying attention and listening. So it takes discipline. It takes effort. Um, but that's the king. The logos in my is the king. The thing that pays attention and learns that will. Yeah, that will that that should be at the top. Um, that was all, all my notes. Pay attention to what of in, what is of interest to you. Uh, what grips you? What is divine? And if you ignore it, you will pay a giant price and it's your fault. Is there a good <laughs> note to end on other than other than that? No, that's a, that's. A great, uh, great conversation, man. Very enlightening. So appreciate it. Thank you, it. JJ. Yeah. Uh, and folks, we will end it right here.